2: Really pleased to have joining us on the program once again, Rick Nowak. He is with the Washington Post, based in Paris, France, and obviously a lot of things happening uh, there with uh, an upcoming election. We got through the uh, primary, and uh, Rick, we appreciate you joining us. This has a lot of impact, not just in France, but uh, some some real global dynamics as well. Uh, for our listeners, give us a little lay of the land in terms of uh, where we are and uh, what comes next.
1: It's really interesting what happened on on Sunday, Uh, Emmanuel Macron coming out on top um, of this first round of voting, Uh, but Marine Le Pen also performing uh, better than she did five years ago, and really the polls now show Um, that in the second round of the second round of the voting process in about 10 days, um, there is going to be a really, really tight runoff vote. Um, And that makes this election a lot more tense, a lot more interesting than the election five years ago, when really Macron was leading with a very, very big gap um, between him and Marine Le Pen. This time, She does really have appear to have a chance um, to to win this election.
2: And so as you as you look at that, you mentioned five years ago, uh, I think Le Pen was seen as more of a far, far right candidate. Uh, She seems to have moderated some of her messaging and tone. Uh, So how does that factor in and uh, who are the voters that are really at play uh, there in France uh, for, again, 10 days out? uh, Big election.
1: I think that's absolutely right. She has moderated her her tone over the past five years. She has tried to position herself more sort of in the mainstream. But what's interesting is that when you look at her actual proposals, uh, her policies, she hasn't really changed that much. Um, She still um, has some very strong uh, anti-migrant proposals in in her um, campaign um, proposals and that really will make it difficult, I think, for her to to govern if she ever is elected. Now, when we look at the voters um, who who might support her, it's interesting because um, when you look at her economic proposals, they're actually quite left-wing, or at least there is an overlap with with the left-wing. So a lot of the voters she's now trying to win over really are on the more far-left political spectrum. Um, So the the voters who supported Jean-Luc Mélenchon uh, the far left candidate who came in third behind Marine Le Pen. So that's probably where the biggest pool of potential voters that can still be convinced uh, will be. And both Macron and Le Pen are trying to convince those voters.
2: Oh, that's interesting. So they're almost the wraparound voters from the from the left and the and the right. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what the uh, status is uh, with President Macron and where he is, What what where are the drags for him and where are the disconnects uh, as he goes into this re-election?
1: Well, it's really interesting because um, three weeks ago, his re-election really seemed relatively certain, uh, I would say. Uh, he was really riding high in the polls, partially boosted by his performance during the Ukraine war where he really portrayed himself as a as a world leader someone who um, who's really playing or taking a central central role in, in this entire um, war and trying to de-escalate and a lot of French voters I think appreciated that what has changed over the past weeks however is that in the minds of a lot of French voters um, economic concerns uh, the fallout of the sanctions um, on the French economy, have taken more, um, have taken a growing role. Um, and Marine Le Pen really has tapped into that sentiment. She's tried to convince voters um, that uh, that she is the better candidate to uh, make sure that uh, those economic wo- uh, problems aren't going to impact them um, in, in the same way as they would under um, a second term for Emmanuel Macron. Uh,
2: you mentioned uh, President Macron's uh- influence and impact on what's happening in Ukraine and kind of playing on that global stage. Uh, How is that playing in terms of, uh, you mentioned the sanctions and obviously costs in terms of energy and and food and some of those pocketbook issues uh, that Le Pen seems to be going after, Uh, but how is this impacting uh, things like the sanctions or dealing with uh, Russian gas and oil in particular? Uh, What are those dynamics like on the ground there in France?
1: Well, France isn't as vulnerable to Russian gas um, imports as Germany, for instance, mm-hmm. is. Uh, so in France, um, at, at the very beginning, it seemed like the, the government was more open to sanctioning uh, Russian gas to putting more pressure on uh, on the Russian government. Um, And and frankly, a lot of the sort of rise in inflation, rise in energy prices, we already saw that before the war. So some of this isn't even related to the war. But I think because um, on on TV channels and uh, other platforms, (laughs) people have made a connection between the war and those growing uh, or rising prices that were already happening. I think it's taken a center stage in, in the minds of a lot of voters. They're concerned that the war will make it even worse, that uh, it's going to make it worse to an extent that it will become unbearable for them. And and I think that's a concern that Macron did underestimate.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that seems to be popular around the world when it comes to election these days is always uh, either criticizing or predicting the flow of young voters. Uh, where are the young voters in France right now? Are they... Uh, with macron are they have they moved away is there a disconnect there what do you expect uh one there's always the the hype about the what the young voters will do and then will they really do it is the bigger question
1: that's an interesting question um I think a lot of French voters really were supportive of Macron, Um, young French voters were really supportive of of Macron in 2017, Um, you know, he campaigned on a very pro-European platform um, that really captured a sentiment, but now um, I think the the sentiment has somewhat shifted. A lot of young voters I've spoken to, uh, they're very disappointed with uh, the, the course of his presidency. They say, you know, they elected him because they thought he was more center-left, and his policies, especially on immigration, for example, have actually been more center-right, and, and from their perspective, really right-wing. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of them are disappointed. A lot of them are voting for the far-left candidate um, to, to sort of make a statement against McCall.
2: Oh, that is uh, that is fascinating. And anything else that you're watching for, any other uh, kind of European implications in, in terms of how this plays out over the next 10 days?
1: Well, it would be really interesting to see how um, European leaders react um, if this race really does become um, or it does shift in a way that would um, imply that Marine Le Pen has an even bigger chance to win the French presidency, because obviously if she does win, that would have serious implications for all of Europe um, and also for the United States. Uh, it would radically alter France's role in um, the Western uh, community, really. And and that's something I think that wasn't really on the minds of a lot of people just a few weeks ago.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, those dynamics are uh, are just fascinating to me. Rick Nowak with The Washington Post, uh, based in Paris, France. Uh, Rick, we always appreciate you making time for us and great perspective. I think this is going to be a, a really fascinating 10 days, not just internally for France, but for Europe and for the U.S. as well. I appreciate your perspective and uh, great writing as always. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Coming up, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has a model for helping refu- refugees fleeing Ukraine and other places around the world. We'll talk about that coming up next.
0: I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, COLD.